0: Good morning. We are thankful to have you here this morning as we worship together, and uh, just want to get, begin with a few announcements. Um, just a reminder that there is a in operation right now a herd warming center um, that will go into effect when temperatures hit a certain degree overnight and uh, so they're always looking for people to be on call for volunteering for that and so if you're looking for a way to volunteer in Hurd County um, and you would be willing to be on call for coming and staying at the warming center you can see Pastor Neal and uh, there's several other churches involved in that but that's a great opportunity to serve our community. Uh, Today after worship we're going to have our new prospective member luncheon um, right after this morning's service and then Um, Starting this month, just a reminder that we are taking up bottles for Baby Bottle Boomerang for the Pregnancy Resource Center. There are still bottles available, and you can turn those in um, by the end of the month, and we will get those over to the PRC. Um, Deacon nominations, Neil's going to talk about at the end, but we are starting a Deacon nomination um, today, and so you'll get more information about that at the end of the service. I also want to mention coming up in March is D-Now. This is for all sixth through twelfth graders. Um, it's a discipleship weekend where we meet with several other churches in our area, and uh, we get together and worship together at um, Rootville Road Baptist Church, and then stay in host homes together. It's a lot of fun. Um, if, I can, if I can implore you on two things that we do as students, one would be DNow weekend, and one would be camp. So if you are at all interested in being a part of D-Now, there is info in the back, and the sooner we get signed up, the sooner we kind of know how many places we need to stay and all those kind of things. So that's March 17th through the 19th, um, $35 for the whole weekend. That includes all the things that they'll be doing, all their food, everything. So um, if you have any questions about D-NOW, please let me know. Did want to mention also that yesterday we had several kids go to um, the February Fantastic event. If you see me hopping around, dragging, that's why. Um, didn't know I could get so sore so quickly and, uh, but we had a great time and we had two, two kids except Christ yesterday, um, at this event. So we are very excited and just thankful that the Lord, uh, still does his work in saving people and, uh, just excited for that. So all that said, let's pray and then we will head into worship. Lord, we are just so grateful to you, um, that you've given us the opportunity to serve you, to be in relationship with you, to be adopted by you, Lord. We are so undeserving of your love, but you have loved us in the greatest way possible by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. As we're going to learn about this morning, Lord, you've given us the the hope and the, and the grace that's found in the gospel, and, uh, Lord, I pray that we would never take that for granted, that we would be in awe of that every single day, every single hour, every single minute, just the the love that you've shown us through your Son. And um, Lord, I just thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the heart just to worship you together this morning, and so I pray that you would just bring us to a place to worship. Lord, humble us, excite us. Lord, break us if need be in order that we may glorify you and honor you um, in the way that you deserve. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning. If you'll stand, we're going to begin worshiping together, and we are going to sing something beautiful. Can we get that back screen turned on? (laughs) spend this morning without love to tell this story. To come forth and do our scripture reading for the day. So you may be seated.
2: All right, this morning I'll be reading from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And they shall be my people, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Uh, Father God, I just want to thank you for just bringing each one of us here today, Father, uh, to praise and worship you, Father. Uh, Be with Neil and Catherine as they bring the message and lead us in praise and worship, Father. Just be with us as we go throughout this week, Father, and to know who you are and to know and to trust in your will for us, Father. Uh, I just pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll
1: stand, we're going to sing one more song together. We're going to sing in Christ alone.
3: Sally of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he
1: we have one more special treat this morning before um, our sermon. i bear with me this morning. I don't usually play. <laughs> All right.
4: gift. Um, That's what you call God-given talent for God's glory and for the glory of the gospel. So we are grateful for Stephanie. Uh, Not many of us can sing and not many of us can play. She can play and sing. All right, Galatians chapter 1, as the children leave, we are grateful for Miss Yvonne and all of our children's volunteers, I assume that's Miss Yvonne, I, I don't have my glasses on, so those on the back row at times can get away with uh, present or not present. I can't make out faces anymore from a distance, so uh, if you're not there yet, you'll, you'll get there. <laughs> All right, uh, now I'm talking off the cuff too much. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, verses 6 through 10 this morning, Bryson did an excellent job breaking the ground here in this wonderful book which is essentially about Christian freedom and Christian liberty and the gospel. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 again which he preached from last week and then we're going to work from 6 through 10 this morning to connect those two things to get a feel for the whole letter. Now what I encourage you to do over the next few weeks and even into the months is read through this book periodically. Sit down and read it as a whole because when you read it as a whole you really get a sense of the understanding of what Paul was trying to accomplish in writing this letter. If you and I were given a letter we would not just pull out a few sentences here and there to really understand what the particular sentences mean, we would need to read the whole. Now, obviously, I'm not going to read the whole uh, letter to the Galatians this morning, thankfully. But we've got to keep in mind the whole context to understand specifically where we are. And there are some really, really great and important gospel truths throughout this letter, some verses that we will look at um, regularly, Stand out as verses that you've heard, you've memorized them, they're powerful, they're, they're encouraging. So we'll talk through some of that as well. Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I hope you're, you're with me. It says, Paul, Paul, an apostle not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. So as Bryson concluded last week's sermon... It ends with a high note with glory and praise to God for the gospel. Notice the transition, though, to verse 6. He moves real quickly to, what in the world are you doing? At least that's my interpretation of what verse 6 begins with. I am amazed, I'm shocked. That you are so quickly deserting him who called you, by the grace of Christ, for a different gospel. Whoa, Paul. <laughs> You're, we can, where's our thanksgiving? Where's our commendation? Where's our prayer? Which was a normal part of most every other letter that he sent. What's, what's got Paul rubbed the wrong way here? So that's part of what we've got to look at this morning. Well, you see it at the end of verse six. They were deserting God for a different gospel. Now that's a red flag, is it not? In verse seven he says, which is really not another. There is no other gospel. Only there are some who are disturbing you. Some of your versions there say agitators. Some of your versions there say troublemakers. So he's pinpointing that those who are preaching a different gospel, which is not really another gospel because there is no other gospel, they are troublemakers. There used to be a kid from the neighborhood who came over often and played with some other kids from the neighborhood in in our backyard, and this little kid's name was Troublemaker. I kept my eye on him for more than one reason, bless his heart. If you've got troublemakers around, or agitators, disturbers, Paul addresses that within the church. He says they want to distort or pervert. It's a stronger word. Some of your versions have that word. They are distorting the gospel of Christ. And then he says, verse 8, But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed, anathema. Look at verse 9. It is almost direct word for word, just like verse 8. It's almost like he says, uh, I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. He says, as we have said before, so I say it again now. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. Now, so that you can get a sense of the strong language that he is using, let me put it in words that we can understand. And it seems a little weird and off target to to say this in church. But it's the strength of his language. He says, let him be condemned to hell. If you want to know what that word anathema, if you want to know what that word accursed means, it means this. If anyone preaches a different gospel or if anyone distorts the gospel of Jesus Christ, then let them be condemned to hell. That's plain truth that we should be warned by but also be encouraged by, because that means that there is a pure, relevant, powerful, saving gospel that is so sacred, we should never tolerate any different gospel. Then in verse 10, and I'll close with this verse, I guess I'll close the reading, which has actually become kind of a preaching, hasn't it? He says, "Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God?" Because some people were saying, eh, "Paul, you're just trying to you're just trying to please please people." Paul says, "What? <laughs> you certainly are not a people pleaser preaching the pure gospel." He says, "Or am I striving to please men?" If I were still keyword still that implies that at one time he was pleasing people by how he operated his life. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Paul has found true ultimate freedom only by being bound to Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for these powerful um, words and and, and the tone of the words because they, they warn us with good intention that we would cherish the gospel, that we would be clear about the gospel, that we would fall in love with the gospel and never tolerate any diminishing or deviation or distortion of the gospel, we praise you and thank you for the good news that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that that is sufficient and finished so that all who believe might be counted righteous before God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, I tried to give you, as I read through it, a sense of the situation at hand and the urgency and the importance of the tone that Paul uses because this is apparently serious business. Paul is not playing around. Now, there are certain things I tried to think through this week that you just don't tamper with, okay? And let's work through a a few of those. If your wife sets the thermostat in your house at a certain number, don't tamper with it. My wife's out of town with some ladies in her family, so I'm gonna get away. I'm just gonna go ahead and give you a heads up. You don't tamper with it. Do y'all remember when Coke had that original formula that, that was sacred and protected for years, and then they tried new Coke? You could go to Coca-Cola in Atlanta now. I asked for, do y'all have a sample of that old Coke that became new Coke? They said no. <laughs> That's the only type of coat that they don't have anymore. Why? Because they tampered with the original formula and it created havoc. You don't mess with the water supply, you don't mess with the air supply. When it comes to your physical health, you don't play around with your heart. I'm just trying to drive home the importance of the gospel in the life of the church. And when the gospel is tampered with, it is always trouble for the church. And I'll say this, when the gospel is tampered with in our personal lives, it's always problematic in my personal life as well. So I want to think through this not only on a corporate level, on the church level. where let's be honest, there's room for a lot of discussion and a lot of debate on a lot of different issues within churches and within denominations. But the integrity and the purity of the gospel is not one of those things. And that's why Paul is using the language that he's using. So corporately and individually, you and I should learn from chapter 1 already the urgency and the importance of relating rightly to the gospel. Beware, you and I must relate rightly to the gospel for the sake of the church and for the sake of our own Christian walk. I've said before I really only have one sermon and that sermon is the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe that that is the essence of the story of the Bible from beginning to end. That it all anticipates and points to the gospel and then everything else flows from and is application from the gospel. So I'm going to give you three sentences, words, points and they're all going to be how we should relate to the gospel. They're all going to start with the letter C. This sermon is sponsored by the letter C this morning, okay, if you're still with me. Apparently, we need to first clarify the gospel. We need to be absolutely clear as to what the gospel is. What is it? Then, we need to cling to the gospel. After we understand what it is, we need to cling to it, remembering what the benefits of the gospel are. What does it do? Once we clarify it, we cling to it in in ever-increasing measure. And then the third point is that we need to connect the gospel. We need to connect it to real life and real situations and circumstances, and relationships, and all that. And so Paul is going to spend the rest of Galatians doing these three things. He's going to clarify it. He's going to tell us we need to hold on to it and cling to it. Then he's going to talk about how it changes our lives. Because there was a group of people who were adding to the gospel. They were saying that Jesus and his resurrection and Jesus and his crucifixion was not enough. The law needs to be added to what Jesus has done. Well, I'm already getting into point number one. The first thing we've got to do, and we've got to keep doing this. We've got to keep clarifying, keep clinging, and keep connecting. And because of human nature and the battle we're in, we have to keep doing these things day after day and week after week and Sunday after Sunday. Anyway, clarify. What is the gospel? Well, essentially the gospel is good news. It has the sense of it, Eureka, I have found it. It is surprising, and it's powerful, and it's life-changing. What is the gospel if indeed we are to never distort it or ever diminish it? We can never set the gospel aside. It can never be an afterthought. It can never be sitting on the bench of my life or church. It has to be the key component and the key mover in the field of life and of church life. What is it? What is God given? It's divine. It's sacred. It's from above. It is our rescue. It is our redemption. And it is from God, that's why human beings do not need to tamper with the gospel because it's divine in origin. Well, but what is it? Well, he's already told us in the introduction the two key components or elements of the gospel. I'll point this out. Bryson preached this last Sunday. But look at verse 4. Jesus gave himself for our sins. And then look back at verse 1. God the Father raised him from the dead. So here's the gospel which is of first importance that according to the scriptures Christ came and he died for our sins and on the third day God raised him up from the dead. Paul has already given us two clear components of the gospel Just at the very beginning. Now the implications of Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. And then God the Father raised him from the dead. The implications of that are the working out of that event. And clarifying it means understanding the implications. So when Paul says, where are you going? What are you doing? You're so quickly deserting The essential gospel. Throughout this book, he's going to clarify what it is and what it isn't. One time when I was in college, I was driving. And I turned into an entrance headed the wrong way. A cop car pulls up beside me. He flips the blue lights. He rolls down his window. He looks at me, and I look at him. He says, what are you doing? He says, where are you going? I said, I I guess I'm going the wrong way. (laughs) He said, I think you need glasses. And it was at that point in my life that I went and had my eyes checked, and true enough, I did need glasses while driving. See, things were fuzzy to me, and I couldn't see clearly exactly where the entranceway was at night. Now, for us to clarify the gospel, we've got to understand the implications of the fact that Christ died for our sins and God raised him up for our sins, there are some things that that that, that means for us that we cannot lose and that we've got to keep clarifying for ourselves. So underneath clarifying the gospel, you've got the first element of we've got to be clear on the gravity of our sins. And what I mean by that is that you and I are so fallen and we're so depraved. We have broken the laws of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There's none of us who does good. There's none of us who seek God on our own. We are all unrighteous lawbreakers deserving judgment. That is the gravity of our sin. Why did Christ die for our sins? Because of what it means to be a sinner. It means to break God's law and to have earned His judgment and wrath. The gospel will always contain within it this this clarity that we can see for the first time just how desperately we need the gospel because of our human condition. So when we ask the question, well, why would these troublemakers go into Galatia and cause such trouble? Their very behavior proves the necessity of the gospel. Sit around and ask yourself this question. Why do human beings cause so much trouble? Why do we distort things? Why do we pervert things? We could just clarify life by saying we mess everything up. So, no wonder that humanity, in our pride, in our rebellion, and our fallenness, we mess up the gospel as well. So, I thought through some things. Why would these Judaizers say that if you're a Gentile, it's not enough to believe in Jesus? Uh uh-uh. uh. Jesus didn't do enough on the cross. And God the Father didn't do enough through the resurrection. You've got to have this outward ritual done to you that Jews have had done since time on past. The Judaizers were saying, Jesus is not enough. You've got to add the law to it, particularly in this case, circumcision. Well, that begs the question. Why would they add to the cross and the resurrection anything? Because they're human sinners. Man is corrupt in his nature. From the very beginning, Eden wasn't enough. From the very very beginning, we tried to add to what God had provided in perfection and grace. And so Satan tempted man and woman and said, Hey, you can climb up to glory on your own. That's what they were doing, essentially, the Judaizers, with this particular move that they were trying to pull on the church. Man is also carnal, fleshly. What was circumcision? It was a fleshly, physical act. And we are obsessed with the flesh and the physical to the detriment of the spirit and the spiritual. Why? Because we're so carnal. Man is also very controlling. The gospel is liberating, but there's something about man that hates liberty and liberation, especially when it applies to the whole group. And so man loves to control. We love to categorize. The Judaizers wanted to add a rule so that they could separate the good from the bad, the righteous from the unrighteous, and obviously they get to choose the rules and the laws that do the separation. Paul's going to speak a lot to that. Man is also very critical. Free grace, salvation by grace alone, no way. There's no such thing as a free lunch. That's too good to be true. So because of man's fallen sinful nature, we, we rebel against grace because of our critical, negative, selfish spirit. So man's corrupt, carnal, controlling, criticizing, categorizing, I already said that, and condemning. Paul himself said, Wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of this death? And Romans 8, 1 has the gospel. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So to clarify the gospel, you've got to clarify that first point that we are fallen and depraved and we cannot save ourselves, which leads to the second component that we've got to see with our spiritual side to clarify, and that's the necessity of grace. If it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then then man cannot add anything extra to the gospel. We can't add anything to it. We don't have anything worthy to add to the gospel. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our hearts are deceitful. So only God's grace can save us. That's why in verse 6, what he says they have done is that they have deserted, which is to be a turncoat, They have deserted the one who called by what? By grace. By grace. The gospel is a call from God by his grace. I can't add anything to the gospel because I don't have anything to add to the gospel. I have nothing of worth, nothing of merit to add. Could you imagine somebody like me, Neil Aubrey, going to Paris, going to the Louvre, walking in there to the Mona Lisa and me telling somebody standing beside the Mona Lisa, hey, I think this thing needs a little touching up. Can I get a brush and some paint and just just add to this? (laughs) They would probably arrest me on the spot, and I would deserve it if I attempted to actually do that. The most valuable and famous work of art in the world. None of us should say, that needs improving. And none of us should say, we need to diminish that and we need to take something away. Mind if I get out my eraser and just just take something off of her her smile right here? No. No. We don't have anything to add. It's the necessity of grace that we need to be clear about. If we're left to ourselves without God's intervention and God's revelation, we are in trouble, we are disturbed, and we remain under a curse. I may make a point about that at the end. But then underneath clarity, I'm still working on making it clear. Do you understand your sinfulness? Do you understand that because of that, only grace can save you and none of us have anything of merit or deserving that we could, that we could add to it? And then the, the third aspect of, of being clear about it is the opportunity for faith. That anyone can believe and receive. That the work of Jesus is so sufficient and so done, so complete, that all we have to do is by faith look and believe and trust. And a supernatural miracle, being born again, born from above, is possible because of the almighty grace and power of God given through the gospel. That Jesus dying for our sins and Jesus rising from the dead on the third day is so powerful that any man, woman, boy, or girl, all we have to do, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female, there's neither slave nor free, but all of us can be one in Christ through the gospel, because it is by faith. Bryson was talking about the fantastic event that they had yesterday, and Scott Gentry, who coordinates that. He's a Word of Life missionary. Bryson had called me earlier in the day and said, two of our young girls accepted Christ. It's like, man, that is awesome. Well, I later got a text from Scott Gentry that went something like this. "Hey, just wanted you all to know, 33 children accepted Christ at Fantastic, But then he added, and one adult. I said, well, that's interesting. He said "The one adult was a worker at one of the places where they held one of the events. And the worker oversaw that they were telling the children something. And the adult worker goes up to a volunteer and says, what are y'all telling the children? And, and they, the answer was, well, we're telling them about Jesus, that you can know Jesus, that Jesus died and rose from the dead. They, they were sharing the gospel. And the adult says, is, is that also for me? And the answer was, it is also for you. And right there in that moment, through the opportunity of faith, because of what Christ had done, one adult was saved. At a children's evangelistic event. But that's how the gospel works, isn't it? That what Jesus did was so powerful and so good. That it's by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And let's rest assured that what Jesus did on the cross and what God the Father did through the resurrection was sufficient to save all of us. It includes you. That's the beauty of the gospel. Now, if we had to run and get some circumcision law fulfilled or jump through this hoop or that hoop or go to this place or keep that rule, how many rules? (laughs) What Jesus did is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. I've I've got to get to the last two, and I'm going to get to these quickly, okay? Okay. After you clarify it, and I hope we make it clear from this pulpit every week, the, the other thing to remember is you got to cling to it. I'll give an illustration. If you've ever water skied, getting up. Is a very difficult process. Learning how to get up is a difficult process. You're trusting the boat, you're trusting the rope, and you're holding on, and there's water coming at you a thousand miles an hour, like, like fire hydrants, and and, you, and then finally, with your legs strengthened and you hold your position, the strength of the boat pulls you up. Well, after having getting up gotten up, do you then let go of the rope? <laughs> No, what's going to happen if you let go of the rope? You're immediately going to go down. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. What I am saying is that the thing that saves you and rescues you, the gospel, you continue to cling to it and love it the whole rest of the way. You don't ever let go, ever. Edward Moat was such a great pastor. That his church in England, he wrote several of our great hymns. Um, I I don't think I wrote down the hymn that he is most famous for. Some of you know that by heart. But here, my point is that Moat was told in his ministry, Hey, we love you so much, we're going to give you the church. We're going to give you the chapel. We're going to give you all the facilities. Moat says, I don't want the church. I don't want the facilities. He says, All I want is the gospel, and if I cease to preach the gospel, you run me out of the pulpit. Why? Because it's the life of the church. It's the heart of the church. By the gospel, we are saved. By the gospel, we are sanctified. By the gospel, we are changed and we we grow. If there is no gospel, there is no good news, there's no forgiveness. And we are still bound by the penalty of sin and guilt. If there's no gospel, there's no spiritual formation. There's no freedom from the power of sin. And we're still bound to ourselves. If there's no gospel, there's no, there's no future. There's no heaven. There's no freedom from the presence of sin. Continue to hold fast. The confession. Then then my third point this morning is to connect the gospel. How does it apply? How does it become operational in my life? And let me just say that the gospel affects every aspect of our lives. Having been forgiven for breaking the law, God takes the law and he he takes it off of our back and he puts it in our hearts. So we become new creations. We become different people. Paul went from being a man pleaser to Christ's bondservant. It was a radical change. And this letter is going to v- get very specific about what it means to live out the gospel, what it means to connect the gospel to how you think, to how you live, to how you relate, to how you love. He's going to say later, later hey, it's circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't matter. It's faith. Which works itself out in love. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, he says, but a new creation. So we spend the rest of our Christian life after believing God, the gospel for the first time, the whole rest of our life is to be growing and changing and maturing and being formed to the, the image of Christ through understanding and applying the gospel to our everyday situations, to, to leave the church, at the gathering, and then go connect the gospel to all the things that we go through in life. But let's be honest, we struggle with that. I struggled with that. Uh, Mark Dever says this, Christians living together in local congregations make the gospel visible. So I can preach the gospel, but, but what makes the gospel tangible and visible and, and helpful and real? Well, the way we connect it in daily life. So all of you know, the reason I wasn't here last weekend is I was in Houston. Watching my son play baseball. I was being a dad last weekend. It was, a, it was an experience me and my family, at least for a while, will, will not forget. It was memorable. But, you know, I thought through. I I had already had an unbelievable, memorable experience in Houston, Texas as a teenager. And just minutes from Minute Maid Park in Houston, I asked Dad, because we didn't rent a car. He drove. And so I said, Dad, will you take me down to Gano, Mission Center, where Mildred McWhorter spent so many years ministering. And she's from this area. And I went back to Gaino, And it was still, in so many ways, just like it was when I was in high school. And what I learned as a high school student at Gaino Mission Center was that when the gospel is connected and applied. It is life-changing. And so Miss Mildred took us, the youth group from First Baptist Franklin, we went three summers in a row. I had never seen poverty and urban need like that in my life. It it was eye-opening. I can remember one particular situation where we were sorting through potatoes, and... We were throwing out the bad potatoes and we were keeping the good potatoes because she was giving out potatoes to those who came through her food pantry. And she told me, she says, Neil, you you throwing away the you put those potatoes back in there. I said, Miss Mildred, they got spots on them. She says, they will cut those off and they will boil them and they will eat them. I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. We drove trucks through neighborhoods, giving out free free bread. It was absolutely life-changing. And one of the reasons that I'm in the ministry today is that God had several ways through that that he showed me how the gospel connects to real life. But, but probably the surprising thing was that it made me happy. <laughs> it made me happy. And watching baseball made me happy too. But man, this made me happy on a life deep spiritual level that, that I too wanted to find out more about what it meant to be a, a bondservant of Jesus. And I began to realize, as I'm still realizing, that when you're obedient and you go and you share the gospel and when you go and make disciples, one of the disciples being made is you. When you're obedient to share and connect the gospel in real life, in real ways, one of the disciples being made is you. The gospel is not just news. It's not just information. It's a person that we fall in love with, and that person is Jesus. So let's do this. Because the gospel is primarily a person and his work and the Father's gracious work out of love for us through him, this is what we need to do. We need to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We need to look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Falling in love with Jesus, who is the gospel, is the only strength and the only power to continue to clarify and cling and connect let's pray father thank you for the work of grace you did in the apostle paul to just radically change him from being religious and moral and smart and competent and educated as a way to please people he was headed down the people-pleasing path, which is a fool's errand. But, Lord, you revealed the gospel to him and the glory and the power of Christ. And he became a bondservant of Jesus and found true freedom in grace and forgiveness. Lord, there's so much more that we could say, and we have other days and other times to say it, because this is... We've inherited a kingdom and we will continue to discover more of how the gospel applies and more of what it means and more of how it changes us. But I pray, Lord, we will begin. And if we're like those two girls this weekend, if we're like that adult this weekend, and we're asking, Is it for me? Is it for me? Oh, Lord, the answer is yes. That the work has already been done. And the invitation is to come with faith like a child. Cast yourself on the finished work of Christ and believe. Believe. Thank you for that grace, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Beneath the cross of Jesus. Hey, this song was chosen on purpose because of how it relates to the gospel and the message we just preached. You come as we sing. Paul says in Galatians, God forbid that I glory in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ. I love that hymn. Okay, a couple of quick things before we close. Deacon nomination forms. So two of our deacons uh, are in the back to pass out forms for 2023. Just a quick word, because we haven't had a deacon election in a couple of years. We have moved to alternating years for elections. So you haven't heard of the deacon nomination process in a while so i we typed up a new form and are presenting it that i hope is clear but if any of you have questions about this form and how you nominate or even who to nominate i'm here for um questions about about how this works so Members pick one of these up on the way out. We want every member to be able to participate. This is a way the congregation can participate in the process to let us know who should we consider as we elect new deacons for this particular year. So I want to thank Jeff and Giles for doing that. Deacons, we do have a called meeting in Miller Ditson's class to discuss one item. I appreciate you all staying around for that. And then the February calendars, I know we're two weeks in, but for all the events going on in the month of February, uh, we are grateful for that. So, where'd Catherine go? Catherine, if you'll close us out. Adults, we will meet for Bible study at 6. What about choir? Yes, choir
1: will meet at 5. We are five weeks away from presenting and experiencing God, Um, so I hope you all are all planning to come to that the night of March 26th. To kind of kick off our Easter season, don't forget to grab a baby bottle. And if you are not a member, if you would like to stay for lunch, we are eating for a prospective member lunch in the Fellowship Hall. Um, we're going to sing you Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus to close out today. Turn your eyes
3: upon Jesus. Look full. In strangely dim in the light of his glory
1: and grace you have a great week